What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered, and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter. So come through and big thanks to Produce Row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels. Helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. I appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Share the podcast with a friend. The podcast is all up to date on Spotify now, so you can find the most recent episodes there. And I've also been dropping monthly Spotify playlists as well every first of the month. So the April one is now there and very spread out genre-wise per usual. So check that out. The links for those will be in the episode notes. Hope everybody is doing well out there. I, uh, I finally got COVID. I got COVID. After all of this time, I uh, have been sick for like a week now. And it's not been super fun, but for the most part, I uh, feel pretty fortunate for the the symptoms that I do have. There's been a few days where I've been laid up in bed all day, and uh, those were kind of the worst of it. I feel like I've uh, 
rounded somewhat of a corner and starting to feel a bit better like i'm on the uh the up and up but yeah being out for like eight days is uh just just starts to drive you a little crazy so i'm uh i'm hoping for a hundred percent health here soon but i just got back from being gone for like two weeks so it's good to be home during this but went out to boise for the for the tree fort music festival and then hit the road with the band high pulp who played the festival and we went to salt lake city and then headed to california for a few days and it was mostly good times aside from getting exposed to to covid somewhere along the way but anyway tree fort was once again amazing and i don't want to do a full recap here in the intro of this episode, but uh, I'll definitely drop a little tour diary tree fort wrap up episode in the in the coming weeks. It was such a killer time again and had my buddy Bird out there and he got some amazing photos this year that I'm super stoked to share as well, including some from the uh, the Neil Francis set who is the guest on this week's episode but what i will tell you about my tree fort experience this year is that out of all of the seven eight podcasts that i did out there this year this is the standout one for me and that was talking to the duo that is neil francis these dudes just gave off an energy together that felt undeniable and this conversation was just so much fun and i could kind of tell right away when I walked into the room to meet them that they were just very cool dudes and it was also one of the conversations where it didn't take much to find the groove it was just right there from the beginning and there's just something different about the conversations I get to have with the people that give off this energy that they're really fucking excited about what they're doing and that was the energy that I got from Jordan and Mark and they gave off that energy during their performance and and outside of it I just found this conversation to be inspiring and one of those chats that just got me really stoked for the rest of the day they were so great about explaining their creative dynamics and could tell that even in this conversation that they fed off each other and that uh that was sort of infectious. I just remember this one very fondly. So big thanks to Claire for helping me link this one up on, on very short notice and definitely check out the Neil Francis music. Make sure you find the correct Neil Francis because there are two of them. The other one will be on the show later this year, but I'll put the link in the episode notes for these dudes. So you can keep up with Jordan and Mark and the music that they are making big thanks to them for uh just being the best and giving me so much of their time the dj club set that they did at tree fort was so fun bert and i were in the photo pit for almost the entire set and it was just awesome to watch the crowd losing their mind definitely check out the the recent video that neil francis posted of their tree fort wrap up and look for uh photos that that bert took as well as some some video footage we got as well so uh just super rad to talk to these dudes and i feel like we covered a lot in this conversation and we are going to get into that momentarily if you're a portland oregon local you should come through produce row cafe in southeast portland free music going on over there every thursday night from 6 p.m to 8 p.m karen ann is going to be uh singing some jams next week on april 14th and every sunday you can uh catch some dj sets over at produce row and those are happening from 5 p.m to 7 p.m every sunday free music all ages bring the kids bring the gang and also north 45 has also got some free music going on and on april 17th easter sunday i will be doing a dj set over there from 4 p.m to 6 p.m and you can bet that i will be playing some neil francis in those sets so uh all the links for the sponsors of this fine podcast can be found in the episode notes as well shout out to all those folks that uh, continue to support this thing and with that, we are going to get 
into episode 303. Neil Francis, the Los Angeles-based duo, is on the podcast, and we are going to kick it off with a track off of their 2022 album, There Is No Neil Francis. This song is called Finding the Rhythm, and it features the artist Gray. Let's do the damn thing. Francis, excited up, to uh, to talk with y'all. This is very cool um, to get to talk to you before you do this DJ set here tonight at Treefort because mm-hmm. there are quite a few tunes in your your catalog that I put into my DJ set list pretty nice. often. So it's it's cool to have the opportunity to talk with y'all, and I've been listening to the music for quite some time now. So you're, it was it was exciting to see when you got added to the lineup and. I'm excited to see what this this DJ set is like, opposed to uh, you know maybe what the regular full band setup is. But uh, yeah, yeah, talk to me about uh, how you guys met and how you came to form this project together. You want to start? I'll yeah, he's it's doing on it. you, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> so previous to Neil Francis, I was um, a DJ, and my DJ project was called Lightyear. <clears throat> And um, I came over and toured in the States 2012, maybe, which is when I first met Mark. Mark was in a, it was in a band at the time. Um, and I was doing the DJ thing. We both kind of like followed whatever it was that we were following at the time. And personally, I got to a point where um, I moved from Sydney to London to really chase the DJ thing um, and got, to, got a little burnt out there. And I decided to move to LA. Mark happened to move back from New York where he was living at the time. Um, the same week, very serendipitously, and a mutual friend of ours um, was like, yo, you know Mark's back? And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I sent him some like instrumentals and stuff to work on. Was that Peter? Yep. Peter Nussbaum from Crap Eyewear, shout out. What up, Peter? What up, Peter? He's responsible for this. He, <laughs> he, some yeah, ways. He's, he's responsible for a lot of shit with me, I can tell you. I can hear Latney in the background going, what the hell? What about me? What, what about, about me? me? Another mate of ours is also pretty responsible for, yeah. some, for some things as well, but... um. Yeah, Mark and I worked together like briefly while I was still doing the DJ thing. I produced a song for his band and I did a remix for his band. Um, but yeah, then fast forward, we both came back to LA and um, I had some instrumentals. The idea was kind of like very loosely, hey, do you want to sing on some of this stuff? We both had no idea what we were doing. Like, do you want to sing on this stuff and we can have other people sing it, which was kind of like freeing for Mark as a vocalist, just trying to approach it in a different way. And we did sort of our early stuff under that pretense, like Dumb Love, Teardrops. Um, I'm trying to think whatever the first EP was, most of that sort of stuff as well. Go on. I know, I was just going to say that it, that it was like, Jordan Jordan had these like pr- tunes that he had made with no vocals and he was like, hey, do you want to sing on these? And I thought to myself, like, uh, like, yeah, 
like yeah these are cool but like you know what 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 kind of style do you want me to sing i was like in kind of more of like a rock band at the time and so it was a little bit out of my out of my uh element out of my wheelhouse and and uh so i was just like you know what dude let's 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 do these i'm I'm just gonna sing over the top of them you tell me what you want and and we started doing it and like wow this is like this is very poppy this is very like this is this is uh interesting you know maybe we find someone else to sing it like maybe we find a vocalist and like you know it would be really cool is if we got like a chick singer like someone with a higher register so i started singing a lot of like falsetto a little like like higher in my range and then that's kind of just like become almost our sound where i'm singing yeah. and i sounded so much like a girl at the time singing that like we would be in the studio making music and like next door there'd be some like like <laughs> like right. rap heads like you know making like straight up trap music next to us like and they had like a subwoofer in their studio we didn't have shit so we could like hear them when they came in and we went out went out into the hallway one day and they're like hey man sounds great what you're doing in there like who's the chick who's the ch-? <laughs> and, and i was like no it's me it's me and and they're like what like no way and i remember they like wanted me to sing for them right there in the hallway at one point. They're like, "Man, sing sing something for us." I was like, "Oh God, I don't know." <laughs> and I, I, I sang like, uh, "What did I sing?" <laughs> it was like, it was actually, oh, it was a. Uh, no, I can't remember now. It, it was fitting though. It was like some really high. Might have been like a Donna Summer tune. I can't remember, but. Yeah. And um, it tripped them out. So I guess I sound like a girl. <laughs> That uh, forced you to completely like think about vocals completely different than when you started jumping on Jordan's tracks and it definitely it was definitely like kind of like a oh shit I can kind of I can sing in this register and just kind of stay there and and that was that was different for me I don't know I I, I had done you know I'd, I've been singing like practically my whole life but I've never like really forced myself to to learn how to sing in falsetto well. And, uh, so I don't know, you just kind of like work that muscle enough and, and then you start to feel more comfortable there. And now I just, I just sing there all the time. I mean, I sing, there's plenty of songs where I'm singing lower now too, but that, the beginning of the whole project was a lot of me singing. Yeah, that high. just, that just felt right. And then at that point, that's where our friend Latney came in <clears throat> where he was, um, he, we had a, like a little SoundCloud set of like five of our best demos that we had and we shared it with him and, uh, he happened to share it with Chris Doritos, who's a DJ at KCRW in LA, and he just ripped a song off the SoundCloud set. Come to find out a few years later, he's he's actually responsible for us taking this way more seriously than we were at the time. Not to say that we weren't, but we had no real push from behind or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he uh, he played the song on the radio, and a friend of ours called us, was like, "Yo, you just got back announced on KCRW," and he played this old demo that I don't think levels hit the the light of day, but. Um, both of us kind of looked at each other and said like well, maybe we've got something here and we just sort of slowly but surely started taking yeah. the steps you know did the response to that song and people digging no, it no it's not like the it's not it's not like the the, the, the phone was on like yeah, this yeah. like oh my god what was that song yeah. but it was just like I always say with this project there's been just enough little things all of the time happening that like keep you engaged it's like that little moment and then like you get offered a show and it's like oh okay cool and then we figure out a band performance and then I mean this show today is a great example of that it's like even though we'd done it before we couldn't get our band together for this show because it was so last minute and it forced us to be like okay what could we do that's interesting to us like I said I was from DJ space he's much more from a live space and we've kind of done this hybrid thing which is really interesting to us and it's just the two of us um, yeah, so the so show yeah. today is is we have two CDJs we're mixing, doing a fair amount of DJing, but then there's we're playing our songs and we're in like, you know, it, it's nonstop and never stops. There's never like a break, but we play our songs with an analog synth and a drum machine and I sing, you know, with that kind of stuff. And I have some like vocal effects and shit like that. And we've done a bunch of edits of other people's songs as well. Yeah. Yeah, do, do you guys feel like that kind of forces a, a different type of creativity when you're trying to figure out this kind of set opposed to 100%. the full band set? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, it also like that forced kind of box that you're put in. It helps the band, live set. I mean, we started doing using started using some of like the bass sequencing and stuff that we're doing with the with this club set in our live set after we did it for the first time. So it's like it's nice to be nimble and like modular and have a bunch of different approaches because 
it's so easy to just fall into the same rhythm and use the same set everywhere you go and then you kind of stop being creative i guess so and jordan being like coming from the dj world is that like way more engaging to you in this in this forum rather than kind of just you doing your thing solo uh yeah i mean i've learned a lot man i'm not a i'm not a traditional like musician's musician so i've had to kind of learn how to at least play our songs on um on keyboard and then just the way that we present the show has made me really i'm 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 a, I'm a very good surface learner but at that at, i don't love to go too much deep in that because i love mistakes i love to not have to like get too buried in the minor minuscule details yeah. whereas this stuff has forced me to like okay i need to know this drum machine inside out and you know the sequencer inside out so it's definitely taught me that piece i will say though like it's interesting i've sort of thought a little bit about djing and like live performance now that i've effectively done both and like we just did a tour for five or six weeks um and by the end of that like at the start of the tour you kind of you still have nerves and stuff before you play and it's that excitement and you're and you're like you know you, you're genuinely I don't know, kind of shitting yourself, yeah. you know, for the first couple of shows. By the end of the tour, it's like you you aren't so nervous about your performance. It's almost like you know what you have to do and we don't play the tracks or anything like that, but we're well rehearsed to the point where almost every beat in that show is accounted for. Like you know what's coming mm -hmm. and whatever, whatever. And I thought what was interesting is we played a show in New York, which was great, and then afterwards we had a DJ set. And I had no idea what I was going to play first or what I was going to mix or anything like that. And it was like really interesting for me to reflect on and be like, it's kind of cool that these guys, these guys see the musician side as like kind of free and like all this stuff. And then I walked into a nightclub with absolutely no idea what I was going to do. No yeah. idea. There was people there and I was like, I have to make up my mind on the spot. Like, what's the first song I'm going to play right now? And like, boof. And I thought that was like kind of cool to, it's kind of cool to take DJing seriously like that again. I mean, thank God I had, I was had something ready for that DJ set because I, I feel played, like I, dude, I saved I played that the first, DJ set. I literally played <laughs> I the literally, first song and everyone lost their mind at the selection. <laughs> okay, but I played the last song. Where do you go for that? There, yeah, that? Where do you go after you've already blown the load? That's the thing. That's the, the, that's the, thing. That's the thing with it. DJs. What do you do next? What do you do next? What do you do next? There is, yeah. Whereas, not, whereas, yeah, it was just interesting because I never really... I never really appreciated DJing like that until yeah. doing the band thing. And DJing, it's like, wow. DJing is, is very free in the sense that like you can read the room mm -hmm. and just change your entire approach on the fly. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you can do that in a live set. And, you know, there are on occasion we'll like switch a song around or, you know, more often though, the differences when we're playing live is, you know, the intros and outros and like the transitions are like malleable. You know, there's like a right. lot of things that can change because someone's, not really feeling, you know, going to the verse straight away. So we kind of like, let's do it again, you know. But but for the most part, yeah, a live set is almost more. It's, it's, it's more. Yeah, it's tight. Yeah. It's restricted. It's a show, you know. It's like a show yeah. show. So you kind of have to like. We have Kyle over here who does the light boxes. Like it's good for Kyle to know when that drop's yeah, gonna you happen. You can't just be fucking around calling audibles if yeah. you still want the entire production right. to line up. Yeah, exactly. the whole production team, which you know for us is like two people, but yeah. like they need to know when shit's gonna happen too. For sure. So, yeah, it, that's really inter that's an interesting cool. angle. I like that. And do you find like Jordan, you have to like leave different room when you're trying to do this dj set but also leave some room for to implement some of that live instrumentation or the, the collaborative nature of it when we, it's funny when we play when we play our songs in this set it's more or less the same as the live show in terms of what we do it's the yeah. parts around where it's like it's for me anyway i find this at the moment i do anyway because i was so spent on doing the live show that at the moment i like the fact that we get to a point at the end of a song and we kind of like come out of it, come out of like one of our songs, for instance, and we have like the drum machine going and maybe a loop happening on the CDJ and we can both be like, okay, chill for a second. As yeah. all of this is like happening, he can, he can be, go over there and be like, what's up everybody, buddy, buddy, you know, yeah. and you can kind of like, you can have those sort of <laughs> moments where you can, yeah. where you can, where you can space things out a little bit, you can communicate to each other, whereas, yeah, you just don't I, have time to do that in the live show. It's for like, sure. be ready, be like, right, next one, right. next one, next one, next one, you know? Yeah, I am, I am like, doing my best to MC the <laughs> the club set and like you know i'm not like a natural i'm not like uh you know how y'all doing tonight yeah, i can't hear you <laughs> yeah what's that like i'm just but you know I, it's funny how like with like a delay pedal 
like I feel so much more confident because you can say kind of anything into it a delay pedal cool. and it sounds cool. Right. Like, banana, <laughs> banana, 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 banana. <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't matter. Right. You know? And it, because it's like rhythmic and it's on the beat, it's like, oh, that sounds great. Even though like, why is he saying, why is he calling out fruit? Like, so I don't know. That part of the show has been kind of in development. It's cool, man. Like that's, it's cool that at this point of of the music thing for me personally, we have kind of created something where we have three different forms of of performance it makes it so interesting because like i got so i got so burnt out on djing and then like we can go and then to go into the band thing it was so great and then after doing five weeks of tour you know 26 shows in 30 days it's like kind of spent on that then being able to do this it's like i'm i'm pumped on this this is exciting like genuinely excited to play today like yeah me too it's it's gonna be so fun so it's like it's it's cool to have these different outlets to to express the performance yeah and speaking to you know like the full band live show just the way you all like made the music initially was it a situation where you really had to like learn how to play these songs live after since everything was kind of maybe created more in the box or just like you two in the room and using different musicians coming in to provide different parts creating the music is a really cleverly process we work with other vocalists artists musicians the whole deal and then we then put the live show together and kind of come up with a whole other thing, you know, like we, we more or less play the songs. Yeah, we don't we don't try to perfectly emulate, yeah. you know, the record. It's like yeah. and and I think that it's like if if we did, I think I feel like the show would lose some oomph or something, yeah. you know, because it's like you kinda have to we just we take our songs and we adapt them to to you know having a bass guitar and a drummer and a guitarist and all of the you know sequencers and bass synthesizers and then it's like oh shit you know on the on the record this is a moog synth synth doing this like eighth note thing right but live it just sounds better to have greg our bass player play it so like we're just gonna have him play it and it's not as robotic and precise as the moog synth but it's almost better it's looser and it's more interesting so there's a lot of like kind of like this 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 adaptation process that happens while we're rehearsing for the for the tour and um yeah it's fun it's fun to do that stuff yeah i think as like an audience member it's fun to go see a show where you are familiar with the recorded material but there are some some small differences in the in the live show and like as long as it feels like nothing's missing right it's just like oh i was really missing this thing it's like no they just like did it a little bit differently and Mm -hmm. filled that space in a different way that you don't get to hear on the record totally totally the creative dynamics between y'all like what what do you think drew you in to making music together and like why this has been success like successful between the two of you and kind of keeping the project going i'll take that one i i the jordan is like such a positive presence in the studio like he i've never been in a creative partnership or environment that's more active and engaged and like just you know even if it sounds like shit he just has a way of like let's just move on let's do that whereas like i'm more of a (laughs) like wallowing in my own you know tragic existential (laughs) death like and now now i'm just annoyed right away (laughs) (laughs) enough with the self let's make something we make fun music (laughs) it's the the truth no i like if i go in that right there dude that right there is it that's exactly just an example (laughs) if i go into studio by myself sometimes i'm really inspired and and like you know i just have this great idea in my head and i want to get it out and i do it quickly and blah 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 but so many times i walk in and i'm just staring at the computer just like what the hell are you gonna do today like <laughs> just thinking like what the fuck and then i'll like hit play on a piano and i'll play a couple chords i'm like no that's horrible i'm done you know yeah i hate myself i suck dude there. i'm yeah. actually so shit at what i do yeah. why do i do this i suck and go home and go back myself <laughs> but it, and so i think i think for, number one it's important to have a partner 
for me anyway. I mean, I don't, can't say this for everyone. It's important to have a partner that you can bounce things off of and that can validate or, you know, say no to whatever. And then for another thing, it's, it's important to like maintain a healthy, like, you know, yes. And environment to borrow a term from comedy and, you know, like it's like, it should be an improv kind of like, let's just keep going and keep pushing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my turn. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Tell me about what you love. No, tell me about what you love about Mark. <laughs> tell me about all of his self-deprecating <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> and how you rein that in. Yeah, right. And get how? good performances. Yeah, how do you do what Mark? you do? Dude? Do not know how. He uh, does no, it. truly, I'm 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 inspired by Mark as like a vocalist and and like his melodies, his vocal tone. It's hard to find someone at this point. Like when I've worked with enough people, and a lot of people are kind of do kind of do one thing well and mark can do a bunch of stuff really well um and i'm always inspired by what he brings to the table because it's never it's it always he's his unpredictability he's predictable in his unpredictability it's just like you you never really (laughs) never really know um but it's great um and i really i really really love working with him and i think like one thing that i wanted to have with this project was that i took from djing and and making electronic music was it was very very insular and solo and I would be there by myself, same sort of thing. Like I'd be there by myself making electronic music and comparing myself to the whoever the big person is that I'm trying to chase or whatever. And I always found myself falling short of that or felt as if I was falling short of that. And I promised myself that if I did something again, I would want to do what I'm good at and that's it. And work with people who can do the things that I'm not good at and be, be open and just in a very like simple form like i personally love to make beats and create vibes and feels and stuff and then i love to play that for someone like mark who's a singer and like melody comes first generally with him and the way that he i'm, I'm always interested to see what he's going to come up with and i i think the the combination of those two things is fundamentally why we work really well together because he's not stepping on my toes i can't sing i i can sit down and it'll it'll take me 8 hours because I am, I am like him in a way, like if I'm in there by myself, it will take me a long time to land on something that I like, but I'm really persistent. Um, whereas when we work, when it's time to come with melodies and stuff like that, I, I really love just having something there for him to get a vibe from right away. And he does what he's good at, what he's good at, which is melodies, uh, vocal melodies, playing stuff, not overthinking, oh, that's cool, cool, record. I'm not getting stuck in like trying to figure out chords and stuff and thinking I always go to that E minor because I don't know anything else. It's yeah, like yeah. all I'm doing is using my ear and he's playing. I'm like, that's cool. Give me one more. Cool. That's cool. Sweet. Yep, move on to the next thing. Yeah. yeah. And Mark, how, how involved are you with like instrumentation within the project as well? It varies song by song. I mean, there's some songs that, you know, I will come to Jordan with a pretty complete idea already, you know, ready to go. And then he kind of, is more of like producing and helping me write lyrics and songwriting, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, and then sometimes, you know, I'll like, we'll be in the studio and Jordan will literally just be ordering me around to all the different instruments and I'll just kind of play whatever and we'll throw something together. And then there are tunes that he's brought to me that are like basically done, and I, all I have to do is sing on them, like you know? lyrics and all. No, not uh, lyrics. Like the, okay. I call them like the ups and downs. Okay. Like you have, I generally try to my thing when I'm in the studio by myself. If I try and write at least one or two up and downs in a session, you should be able to do that at this point. If you call yourself a producer, you should be able to write a simple up and down. Whether that's just simply four chords and you bring the beat in with a bass line, sweet, done, next one. Yeah. And then when Mark comes in, I'm like, okay, what do you think of this? Cool. Throw an idea down. Cool, cool, cool. Once we once we start, once we start thinking on the next one, I yeah. really am a, am a firm believer in like flow state and not and and not overthinking stuff. And as soon as you get to the point of being like, oh, such and such has done a song that does this and says that, and it's like you've already thought too much mm-hmm. on the next one. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And is there a is it also nice that maybe there's not all of the pressure on either one of you to totally. bring all the mm-hmm. ideas 100%. to the table? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's like a big part of it for me. Cause I, whenever I've tried to write solo stuff, it's like the pressure of like expressing myself and like my unique take on whatever. And like my individuality and like this song is supposed to represent this feeling so well. It's like that kind of goes away when you're collaborating and you're, 
developing like more of a kind of working more on a concept together and like you know even though i personally feel deeply about you know a lot of the lyrics and jordan probably does in in, a, in his own way it's still this thing that's outside of us that we can kind of treat as like this other you know and that that's really useful i think yeah is it also like with the style of music you're playing and it being so different from like what your roots of like yeah. rock was, do you, do you find yourself approaching the lyrics completely different with uh, this project than you have in the past as well? The only thing that I think that is different between like how I've written in the past is I think that I've become more like enlightened to the idea of like house music and the repetitive single line. Like, and that you don't need to say a lot to say yeah. something meaningful, you know? And I think, I think Jordan kind of taught me that. And, and we've kind of, I've, that's like been, that's been something that's been developed in our relationship together, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think that's just like something in general, like even outside of the style of music you guys are playing is like, when I was younger, I was always like, you know, drawn to these songs that had like a lot of lyrics and now it's like the repetition is yeah. almost like what the simple repetition of like where the thing almost becomes like a mantra totally during the song is totally. what draws me in a little bit more now it's like you say the same thing over and over and it means a different thing you know by the fifth time you said it yeah you know so it's interesting and there's just like a lot of i think opportunity for interpretation of like what that actual line means That's to everybody going That's out really right also like helpful to you in, in your process of kind of wanting to like move on from things and keep going like is it nice when maybe mark hears something in in one of your initial ideas that maybe you didn't think had much legs or yeah always i always have my favorite beats and things and so yeah sometimes you'll just be super excited about the one that maybe i'm not and then that'll get me jazzed up to like to 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 go through go across the finish line and and get it finished i think like I don't know. I feel it. Yeah, we're we're a good partnership in that I'm really good at finishing things. Like I, I'm I'm really dog dog headed, dogmatic. Whatever that word is, pig headed, pig headed, pig headed. Uh, that sounds. I right. don't like that phrase, but okay. Um, I'm I'm I when, once I get something in my mind that like okay, this is good enough to finish, it gets finished. Like there's there's no there's no there's no you know dancing around it. Like it, it has to get done. And I have that that's a I have this like drive in me to be like I can't stand the idea that this is an unfinished this is a good idea and it's unfinished it has to it has to get done maybe that's a little bit of ocd definitely ocd in me <laughs> yeah but like 100 percent. yeah that's funny because i never think anything's finished yeah. i don't know ever... I, I mean like get it to the point where sure you may not think that it's finished uh, but like the idea is yeah there. the idea is okay, there okay, you okay. know like it, yeah. it has to be finished yeah in that sense mark is it hard to for you to feel like a song is done and ready to be released then if you oh feel like God. it is kind of like never done. I always joke with Jordan that like if if I were the one calling the shots on my own, we'd never release anything. <laughs> <laughs> we would have zero music out. Like cuz I'm just like, oh, "Are you sure, man? I feel like maybe we should I should sing that vocal again. It's a little out of tune, you know." He's like, "No, no, man." He's like, "You've re you've resung it 20 times." I just, and I also just firmly believe, man, like that the flow state thing, it's like the first 3 hours you spend on an idea are just mm -hmm. the best and that's it mm -hmm. you can sit there and like rewrite the keyboard true. melody that comes in after the chorus three different ways but like yeah ultimately the best idea is that first little bit and you can try your best to like beat it but it yeah. often like never is and our best songs yeah not necessarily our best i would say like most of our best songs we've we've at least gotten to demo stage quickly yeah, yeah. it's not it's not necessarily where like Oh, we've had this one laying around for four years. There are instances of that, but more often, yeah, seventy-five percent of the time, it's like this was done in a quick demo session. Marks, I've played him, I've played him an up and down, and he's done like a verse, ghost, and like some kind of hooky thing and whatever, and then I've chopped it into another hooky thing, and like, okay, cool, and then that's it. You know, like, I'm just trying to think. All the songs on that 
last album, almost all of them were written that year, weren't they? There wasn't anything we pressure we've had. For, pressure that, that was had. the only thing I can think of. That's the only other, other one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, other than that, it was written in that little six month yeah. period. Yeah, and as far as like releasing the music, was it nice to be kind of in this? modern era where singles are super appreciated and that you didn't have the pressure of like needing to put out yeah. a full length record right away yeah yeah right totally time. yeah because you can kind of get a feel for what your audience likes you don't really have a choice over that or any control over it which is what's interesting you have so so much control and this perfect idea of this song and then once it's out there you don't have any control over it at all at that point yeah. and it's not like i i'll speak for myself it's not like i make music it's not like I make music for the people who I think listen to the music, but it's definitely influenced by that idea. Like coming off that, that tour we just did, for instance, I'm thinking to myself, oh, we could use another faster song. We could do this after playing to an audience, which obviously a lot of people haven't had the chance to do for two and a half years. So you lose that bit of like audience feedback in real time. After doing that run, I'm like, okay, I think I could do another song that, that does this this thing really well like we could do another song that does that thing very well that's why like you know the audience definitely informs in that yeah. way yeah you also get like some sense of what people are responding to 100%. even if you are just putting out the singles and mm -hmm. seeing what people were vibing with before you actually put out a full record totally totally yeah yeah and uh was it a conscious decision that you guys wanted this to be like the music for a dance party or like that you wanted to kind of create that yeah. vibe with some of the like the psychedelic disco electro pop feels that are happening that it's just like more fun to just make music that people want to vibe to yeah half conscious half unconscious yeah. it's like you know there's there's i think that the origins of the tunes are probably more subconsciously like you know oh yeah we like this kind of music and then once we have like the collection we're like oh shit you know this is like this is good music for like the weekend, you know, this is like, yeah. this is party music. This is something that one thing that I've always kind of used as a metric for myself, whether or not I want to put something out is like, could I put this on in the background at like a party with all my friends and no one like ask for the music to change yeah man no that's <laughs> no one tried to I grab think we do pretty, i think we do pretty good background music dude yeah that, we do that's, great the, background that's music. the field of like listening <laughs> yeah. to the there is no neil francis record yeah. i think that is the thing is like you can put that on mm -hmm. at a house party you could put it on just with everybody hanging and i feel like no one is gonna say shit like no one's gonna yeah. be like what do like Let's skip this one. Like, there's no need to right. have your hand on the on the phone to to skip a track with yeah. the record. And, That's awesome. I appreciate it. It definitely cool. like yeah. feels like it has a, a lot of a lot of flow to it. And thinking about uh, thump thumping from a distance yeah. is is one of my favorites off the, the record. And and just kind of the the use of that that vocal narration that yeah. that sample is. Uh, I think that's a very cool element to throw in, especially if you are like listening at a house party, right. like some bitchy neighbors, like <laughs> exactly interrupting right. this shit. You exactly know? right. It's, it speaks to that exact to that exact narrative. I feel like everyone's been at a house party or something like that and had that had that interaction with the next door neighbor or something like that. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, Santo, this is from across the street of the house you are renting. In about five minutes. Hey everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Mussels and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food.
let's get back to the episode. Is the geeking out on like the sequencing of a record that that take a lot of time for you guys to figure out where all the pieces fell to create the flow of it yeah 100 percent. we got we, it was we we it's not like we were writing songs with that in mind initially but you kind of get that that main 80 85 of the songs there and then we were kind of like okay we want it to be some sort of we want it to be structured in a way where it flows like what you're saying and we we wrote a couple of songs for that purpose like for interlude moments mm. um yeah, we we had. I mean, once we we got like about, I'd say half of the record done. Was when we were toying with the idea of having it like the song titles tell a story or it be a poem or whatever. And I got and I got that idea. I stole that idea initially from this artist that I really love. His, his name's Dean Spencer. He's out of New York. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. His his. Uh, album i can't remember the title now with the big mustache on the front has like this all of his song titles spell out this oh, this thing that, are, that are, is awesome and I, I love his music and i thought wow that's such a great idea so i'm like i'm gonna steal it so basically once we got to a point where we knew what half of the songs were about and we had like rough song titles we thought to ourselves like oh maybe you know maybe it'd be cool if, if we could connect them all in a way that makes sense and kind of like uh, you know says something is kind of a message and so we we kind of crafted you know the remaining songs in that vein like we were we were trying to find a way to make them all mean something within the greater poem and we also like started releasing singles with from from the album and and the singles the artwork from the singles were are all photos from our, a really good friend of our Pia a friend of ours Pia uh, Rivarola she's like an amazing photographer and and we started we we carefully kind of like chose photos that could be like later incorporated into a, a collage that was that is our album cover oh, that's right. yeah so if you look really closely at the album cover collage there's like you can see little pieces of the singles in there and then some other you know photos have been kind of laid on top of there but yeah so that was kind of the it was like this ongoing like we weren't sure we were going to be able to pull it off and then once we got like halfway through like wait you know this might actually work so yeah thought it was kind of fun i appreciate that like the intent and and thought that goes into that part of the project too because obviously you're putting so much time and energy into creating the music but to like create an aesthetic for it and having those kind of like little easter eggs like within the you know the song titles and whatnot i I mean it got to the point where it was like literally like the split seconds at the end of a song and then we were like asking our label like hey how is spotify gonna do this are they gonna do a fade at the end because it was like (laughs) an exact moment where a song has to like this you know you can't have have like dead air between certain things and we've like worked around that with our mastering engineer and stuff yeah so those are the fucked up songs to try to put on a playlist and and make yeah, it. Yeah, like, 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 oh, this abrupt, abrupt ending. <laughs> this is this isn't working for this playlist. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was another thing to consider. It was like you know some of the songs like we couldn't have a hard hard cut, so you kind of tried to like fade them in and out nicely between the two, but it still feel making it still feel seamless within that kind of fade out. It was kind of a trick, you know. It was difficult, but figure it out yeah i can feel the pressure is another one of my favorites off the hell yeah off that record that that is a very cool hell yeah. very that song cool for jam. so long man how that song for like that was by far off the album the one we've had for the longest i always like a couple it. years you think yeah, easy yeah, like four wow. years i don't even know why four i mean we wrote it at the old studio space one of the from like i want to say in wow, really? maybe after our first ep we've had that for so long and i always loved it and it always got a good response but like I think I don't think it's that old, man. I think it's every, I think bit, you, every I, bit of that old, man. I'm telling you. Calling a liar, Mark? I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. I think I I remember writing that guitar lick like a couple years ago, maybe. Like, well, yeah, but old studio, uh-oh. old studio, right? At least three years. Give me three years for sure. Three this years. is like this is the fucked up part of like having a partnership is you have somebody else to call you out. Like, <laughs> right, hey, right. Right. No, nope, that he's was a liar. <laughs> he's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't trust no, a thing out of this. Guy that was now. like that was like one I could never make sense of release. I don't know why I could never make sense of releasing that as a single. I think it would have done well. It's just a it's a tough 
it's a tough decision making process yeah. releasing singles and yeah. and it always felt like after putting it on an album it's a really good album cut you know what i mean like they're always i've been i've been going through like a bit of a thing at the moment where i'm trying to i've come out of it since but like i was trying to get inspired in music and stuff and i was talking about back in the day when i would like my mum would give me some money and i would go to the city and the process of getting music was was half of the thing that would make you fall in love with the music right whereas now it's like you serve so much stuff that the way that i consume music is listen listen to it oh that's cool chucking the place that's cool chucking the place and i might listen to it a couple more I'll, i'll listen to it a handful more times but it's not like i am giving music as much time as I used to where I would go and buy a CD and you would listen to the singles initially you know the catchy ones you're like I like these but then you also listen to the rest of the album and then all of a sudden the album cuts really grow on you track six is like yeah. your favourite song you know for sure and being able to do that for an on being able to have that experience putting together an album which is what we hadn't done before we'd only done EPs which was more or less a culmination of singles being able to do that like we have no intention of needing to get plays on this song or like any kind of strategy behind it it's just like it's a cool song I want to put it on my album it's not, it's not trying to do anything that it doesn't have to do surprising to you when you have like maybe an older idea that like finally seems to make sense and where it like falls into place make sense i always liked that song which is yeah it was i was like i always wanted it to i always wanted people to hear that song like whenever i played to people and the beat would come in yeah a really good combination of like indie r&b thing but i was like i don't know what to do with this and then once we did an album like oh man this has to go on an an album like it's a great album cut yeah, it's wild even, I don't know what you're talking about as far as how people consume music. Anytime I'm like thinking about like a record from the 80s or like 90s specifically, early 2000s and thinking about like that process was so much different than it is now where you would have bands like you were releasing singles after the record was out because you were making music videos. Yeah. And wow, yeah. That's, yeah. that's so true. Like yeah, you you'd have be these... releasing three singles and the album would already be out. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is a new Fuck single. Yeah. It's like, funny. oh, That's the album's funny. already yeah, out there. Totally. But I forgot I guess, about that whole thing. Yeah, it's totally right. Yeah. Yeah. But like the digital age kind of completely kind of derails that. Flip I that guess. around. It's like yeah. you release your, you, 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 you're trying to guess. Like you're hoping right. that like these are the catchiest <laughs> ones, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, the other thing that in, in the digital age that is really interesting is like interacting with the algorithm. Like, I mean, I don't know about you, but but... Jordan and I have pretty similar taste in music these days. Okay. Occasionally we will be served the same like deep cut, like seventies, like psychedelic rock, like crazy song that none of us had, neither of us had heard before, but like pops up on a Spotify auto, like, you know, you know how they do that. I I know how they do that now. They They know that 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 both of our phones. Yeah. uh, I don't know the technical jargon for not IP, but whatever the the brain is of a phone, they know that our phones are close. Therefore, uh, if you're close to in. me, you, oh you're going to probably like the yeah, same song. Like, uh, like I'm around you that much. Yeah, yeah. Granted, we also listen to the same sort of music. No, so but that there's makes that, sense, yeah. But, but you're right. Yeah, but it's interesting because it's like, you know, we. I think you and I probably spend a, more time than the average person like playlisting and mm-hmm. generating like our digital signature of what the algorithm might like, yeah. you know? And so, like, I feel like we've been feeding it so much information about our taste in music that it's feeding us back the same stuff. And it's almost like you lose you lose the sense of discovery when, when like, you play something and you're like, oh, man, I love this, but, like, I, I bet Jordan has it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, like, that. like, sometimes we'll be DJing somewhere and, like, Jordan will play a tune. I'm like, are you kidding me? I already like, had, I, had that <laughs> one queued up. Man. I was going to play that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it's like, and, and and don't get me wrong, like, it's a beautiful thing. I think the algorithm and like finding all of this music is awesome. Like I've, I've yeah. probably discovered more great music in the past uh, 
you know, three or four years than my whole life. That's very yeah, assisted, so that's, that's assisted on by this yeah. algorithm, right? 100%, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, you lose you lose something. It's like you don't you love lose, it as much. You don't yeah. love it as yeah. much. And and it, it kind of occurred to me the other day. I was in, I was uh, hanging out with my friend Carrie, and she played this track that was like just this amazing '80s dance kind of like funk crazy thing. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is great. Like, what's it called? She's like, oh, it's this and that. I'm like, I can't find it. She's like, yeah, it's not on Spotify. It's not on you can't find it on the internet. And I was like, what? You're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that thing? <laughs> yeah, no, but no, it honestly made it even, like it made it so much more meaningful to me. Like the fact that I could probably only, I was only gonna hear it in that moment. She, yeah. she later hooked it up and gave me the track, but like. There was no algorithm that was ever gonna feed you that. There was no algorithm that was ever gonna feed me that. And, and that made the experience more special. That made me, in a way, like the song more, you know? And like, it's so, I don't know. It's it's funny. It's like you almost don't want the robots to know you so well that they can feed you exactly what you like because it almost like diminishes who you are yeah. <laughs> as a person. Like, really, you figured me out, right? That right. Well? Yeah, <laughs> I'm that simple. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, we we DJ regularly. And I always say this. We DJ regularly, and what I'll do sometimes is play like a hip hop song and then after the hip hop song plays I'll play the original 70s or 80s song oh, nice. that has the sample that the hip hop song was made that was made from yeah. and it's like somehow Spotify learnt that I that I, I save music like that my Discover Weekly every, probably two songs out of the 40 or 50 that are in that playlist every week are samples that oh, I'm like so oh wild. that's that sample that's that sample that's yeah. this yeah it's creepy yeah. yeah it's creepy and the flip side is you know that like I think I probably did find your music Exactly. through the algorithm oh, of course. you know exactly. and that's dude i feel I'd... i find endless samples yeah. uh, from a producer side i find endless samples on spotify like yeah. that yeah. i wouldn't ordinarily be able to get to i i've discovered so many bands that way yeah, yeah for sure yeah mark you were saying that like you guys listen to a lot of the same music now did making or does making music with jordan like did that completely change the style of music that you were listening to more frequently I, I think that it's almost like an echo chamber of like, oh, this is really good. We both really like this. Like we can we can both find 10 tracks that are kind of a similar vein and like we both dig those. And so like, yeah, I think that we've been reinforcing our taste in each other through that process. But at the same time, like we have pretty wildly different yeah, tastes outside. Like too. Jordan listens to a lot of hip hop and rap and I don't really. I mean, I do some, but not not as much as he does. I listen to like you know, I I love like metal and like you know, I listen to classical music and even like country music. And so I've been trying, to, I've been trying to like teach Spotify that I like this stuff too. So, like the other day, I don't need just all this vibey yeah, shit. No, 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 I made, I, kill it with the vibes and give me some country. Yeah, I made like two country playlists the other day, just thinking like, you know what? Like, come on, give me something good, like old school country. And does me, it do it? No. It doesn't, but it, it's two out of like twenty <laughs> playlists. You know, I gotta, I gotta feed more. I guess. Anyway, uh, talk to me about making remixes under the Neil Francis name, and does that help inform maybe your own productions in the future when you get to kind of like break apart somebody else's tune? Like, I love your uh, your poolside can't stop loving remix. I'm just a big poolside fan, and. And they also, they, they have very much uh, set the bar high for the Tree Fort DJ set. I got to see them do their thing last year oh, in, the, cool. in the same slot that you guys are in, which sick. is really cool. And they, they had a bunch of live instrumentation involved in that. And it, I, yeah, think that was, I think that was like one of his first times kind of doing it on that level with a bunch of different, like there was a bunch of percussion on stage yeah. and there was different players that came out during times and yeah, just kind of like talking what I was talking about with you guys. Like that just makes a DJ set feel so engaging on this next level. But uh, as far as the remixes, um, where, uh, where does that a, approach come funny, from? I've got a funny relationship with remixes. So it came from like, again, like the DJ space where that was half of what you did was remix other people's stuff. I, I don't, where I was saying earlier where I have like a, like a, like a real focus if I'm into one of my own songs or something like that or at one of our songs or whatever I have a real like drive that I don't really understand to finish it or to make it and I uh, over the last few years of this project I'm less and less interested in in like 
remixing, to be honest. That yeah. said, there are the odd ones that pop up where I'm like, oh, this would be really fun. Like right now, we've got a we've got um, a opportunity to remix Boogie Oogie by A Taste of Honey. A Taste mm. of Honey. Boogie Oogie Oogie, get down. Yeah. Well, I'm feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not registered. I like this rendition. Yeah. This is the remix. I'm in. And, <laughs> it's and great. The great song. That's a really cool opportunity because it's a classic old disco song, and just to get those parts yeah. was 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 it was really good. I'm I'm genuinely excited to work on that. Yeah. But for instance, we also chased down the parts too, because I liked the idea. I don't love the idea of people would. If you don't, what am I trying to say? If somebody just has a song, right, and they're like, they need a remix of it, if I don't hear something that is going to make the remix need to exist, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, am I just doing this? Am I just doing my thing to their parts? Like, I'm not hearing... Unless I hear something where I'm like, oh, that'd be what I'd want to do to that song, just sitting down and doing a remix for me is just not... I, I, I'm not as excited about doing that. Um, but having those parts, I was like super excited to dig in there and like yeah. give that, give that a go. And you learn that like, oh man, I, I love it. I mean, yeah. it's, I, and I think, you know, I think I, it's the difference in. I, I, you probably have more experience doing it, and that's why it's fresher and more interesting to me. But I, yeah. I love trying to. I mean, honestly, honestly, I think you're a little better at it than I am too. But I'm, I love just getting my hands on whatever idea this person has and flipping it and turning it into something new. I think it's really exciting. The thing is, we we also like I spoke to our team I was like I'll tell you what I'd want to do if I wanted to do remixes like I would want to get a folder going of like our vibey stuff that we listen to and we chase down those artists and we say can we get the original song or like something like can we get the original parts exactly like what we said we were just doing with this Boogie Yugi song that would be more exciting for me than like Johnny Come Lately from Universal Music needs a remix of his latest single do you guys want to get paid to do the remix like that I'm not I'm not into that very much um and then, so like being able to, the interesting thing was we chased down the paths to uh, Genius of Love. Genius of Love. Beep, beep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beep, 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 beep. And we like got the parts there we and we messed around with it. And we're like, I don't have any ideas for this yeah. song. Like, like, I love the idea of remixing it, but yeah. I just don't know what I want to do with it. It's just such a, it's, it's such a, weird a classic. It's like, it's such a classic and it's so well known that it's like, Man, you better do a good remix. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> there's, there's a, a pressure, pressure on it. There's a pressure on it, and there's yeah. also like hip hop has mined that song so hard. It's like I don't even yeah. know what else I would do to it that hasn't yeah. been done to it. You know? Well, it's just like doing a, a cover song of like a, you know, a yeah. really well known song. If it's not, if it doesn't offer something different, it's yeah, not going to like just note for note covering yeah. it. It's like, what's the point of this? Yeah. yeah. Except for maybe deconstructing it and learning yeah. something that you can work yeah. into your own productions in the in the future. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about this one remix. That we're, this one remix of um, what's it called? Taste of Honey is the name of the band, really. Yeah, yeah. Because the sh- the songs it borders on cheesy disco, but it's really fun. But it's a re- it's like a three and a half minute pop song, and I was really listening to it hard the other day. I'm like, what what would I do with this? And I was like, I want to do I want to do like a big stretched out long kind of like really groovy remix. I'm excited about going in and doing that. And I also really like I also really like putting limitations on remixes like don't record a single other sound. Like you have to do the remix from their parts. Like the poolside remix, we didn't put any other sounds in that remix other than what was in his session. Um, it's not always a hard and fast rule, but it's a good thing. Like limitations like that force you to get like creative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. I appreciate you all giving me so much of your time. I love uh, Dude, for the me. music great, that you're great conversation. Uh, making. And uh I want to play the episode out with uh, one of my favorite tracks off of off of the record, and it's uh, it's one that you did with with somebody that has been making a lot of music that I've been enjoying. Heavy in my rotation has been Benny Sings, yeah. so I was Man. just curious what it was like uh, collaborating with him on on the track. It was great. He's he's a he's a consummate professional. He's just like he was so easy to work with. We did it all over Zoom, and while he was you know in the Netherlands. And uh, 
happened pretty fast. We did it in about two, two and a half, three sessions. Yeah, not even. And that was a perfect example of like a, yeah. a, the way that we like write. It's like I had the beat, I played it for both Mark and Benny in the session. And Benny's used to doing that for the for the artist that he usually creates yeah. with, and he's like, "Oh, this is cool. This is I'm doing, I'm doing it in reverse." Which was cool, yeah. And, then, yeah, right. and then we already had the concept for the album. This is an example of what Mark was talking about, where we had the concept and we pitched it to him, and then he wrote like just a great little like vibey verse around yeah. the idea of a bug and like the whole deal. And it was good to have that. It's kind of good to have a strong sense of like what what we're trying to get out of this session. Sometimes you just go into a session with no idea what you're going to do, and everyone sits around and doesn't really. It's kind of a waste of time. But it was, it was a really, really good session. It was like, this is what it's going to be about. Can you make something work? Yep, cool. Yeah, he did his thing. It was yeah. good. Yeah, it's got to be helpful when you're working with a dude like that, where like you go through his album and he has all these features mm-hmm, on right. his record, so he knows how to like totally. leave the space for other people. But he's on the flip side of it exactly. in this sense, one hundred percent. Yeah, he he. Yeah, it was very. We felt very comfortable. It was like we we all knew what we were doing and what the goal was in a sense. No one was really stepping on each other's toes. I guess. Oh yeah, that's one way to put it. Well, this is fucking rad to chat with you guys. Excited to see the set tonight. Um, I'll definitely put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, keep up with what you're doing. And we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is "It's a program." So if we could get the Neil Francis, it's a program. We can properly end this thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. You can do it however you like to. It's a pro. Grum. <laughs> they nailed it, everybody. That's Neil Francis. Check out their record. There is no Neil Francis and all the other available singles. And we are playing it out with that track, Where I Become Someone, featuring Benny Sings on it. And that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Tree Fort, Boise, wherever you are listening from. Big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up. Stay tuned.